Hello and welcome to NFT. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. Super excited to get into this episode with Bill Cara, the CEO of Addicting Games and EVIO. EVIO is my current favorite NFT gaming project, and you're about to hear why. We're going to jump into it uh, straight away. So let's hear from our sponsors, VinaVest, and let's get into it with Bill Cara from Addicting Games. Here we go. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. If you know me, you know I'm always looking for the next big player in the industry. I was amazed at how easy it was to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualized returns proving that the returns can be as robust as your favorite red. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to zen.ai slash nfteach to receive two months of fee-free investing on VinoVest. Be sure to mention that NFTeach is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. Joining me on the Aspen NFT guest line is none other than Bill Kara, the CEO of Addicting Games. And uh, I don't know if we would say the CEO then by default of EV.io, but Bill, welcome to NFT. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, my role at Addicting Games is uh, CEO of Addicting Games. Um, EV is basically a studio within our company, and it's led by my business partner, Chris Scott. And then we have a small team that works on EV, larger team that works on addicting games and, you know, products try to work together and support each other and things like that. Yeah, Bill, I, I got turned on to EV from uh, Darren Glover from Vander uh, Gaming. He came on the podcast. We recorded an episode together and he was like, you know, the, the next the, the real serious player to disrupt traditional gaming is going to be a game that's accessible and that's where EV entered the conversation. So um, it's great that, you know, the name of your company is addicting games. It is not false advertising. EV is quite addicting, but I'd love to just let you set up um, what EV is and sort of what your vision behind creating EV was, because I think it's, uh, it's not something that jumps out at you when you start playing the game, but when you, once you know it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think we got to really tell that story better and even, putting it on the website, but essentially EV was, was created through conversations that we had looking at streamers and looking at our audience and just realizing, you know, most people don't have these $10,000 rigs and you know, you're watching someone play this amazing game, but you're not having the same experience. And so we're all together and we're saying, what's a big audacious, challenging goal that, that we could do? What, what's a problem we could solve for our players? And we said, why don't we try to get this AAA experience and get it to work on the crappiest Chromebook, 
that that was the the the, the two liner, and then everyone really got excited about that, and started looking into the technology and saying like how how good of a game could we make work on a hundred dollar Chromebook? Uh, we looked at the market. There's you know ten percent of the people out there uh, on PCs are on Chromebooks. They can't play almost anything. And then we looked and thought you know there's a lot of people on you know different parts of the world, even throughout the United States you know, have challenging computers. I mean, I grew up on one of those. I could barely run anything. And so we set about making this game that could work for everyone, anywhere. And that was the goal. And that that's how EV was born. We, we don't have a tremendous amount of time, but it's obvious by your Chromebook reference that clearly you're a former educator because as a former principal, the Chromebook was the cost-effective device. But from a principal's perspective, it was always limiting because it couldn't do the things that the MacBook could do or that the iPad could do. So there were a lot of great apps that would come out from an educational perspective. And on the Chromebook, you always sort of felt limited and you always sort of felt like there was a barrier between what the Chromebook could do and then what these higher end, more affluent socioeconomically advantaged school districts had with their whole MacBook one-to-one program. So I, I, you know, I know you have a background in education, maybe just do a little bit there and let people know sort of, you know, where Addicting Games comes from and, and your educational background. So when it, when we, you know, Addicting Games as a company is 20 years old and that's our, you know, our flagship portal is addictinggames.com. If you search the term games on Google, we're number one for 20 years. So it's a pretty amazing thing. Addictinggames.com is updated every week with new games. And those are always meant to be played anywhere. They're just fun, casual games. And that, that's our background. And so we did that for many years. And at a certain point, we looked at our ourselves as game developers and we thought you know if we did what we're doing to get people to play more often more frequently what if we applied that to a skill what if there was like a positive outcome or an educational outcome not just a play outcome would it actually move the needle and we wanted to to explore that as kind of our craft and so went really deep into it we started with mathgames.com and so math games we broke down individual math skills. We aligned them to different math standards across the United States, Common Core. I mean, there's, there's different standards in Texas and other states. But essentially, all these different ways to practice math, we put it in a digital textbook format, and people were doing you know, around 60 questions per average. We gamified it, where you put the exact same question in a game format, and they were jumping up, same question, same difficulty, 150 questions per session, 250 questions per session. And we looked at it and said, Let's make math less intimidating, more positive, more accessible. And would it be, would it result in improved learning outcomes? And we feel that we've really done that. Uh, math games has been really embraced. It's used throughout the United States. There are over 30 million students that have come through math games. Every day, we will reach between 50 to 100,000 students answering questions on all the different formats. And so, we really, you know, wanted to change education, but in during that process, we we got to see that there are a lot of different devices out there. Not everyone is working on a great computer. Some people can only access things via their phones, and so math games we really wanted to make accessible, and that was our first attempt. That was our first attempt at making a product that was used on just the lowest end device possible. And, and yeah, that's the story of math games. And from there, I think that kind of seeded a lot of our uh, kind of aspirational goals to make games that work for everyone and understanding the devices better and the challenges that they have. All right, Bill. So in terms of EV, 
you know, you've talked a bit about the mission to make it like an accessible first person shooter that that everyone can play and enjoy. And it certainly is that. But maybe just describe the game in a bit more detail uh, in terms of what EV is. So EV is a first person shooter. It, it lends a lot of the play mechanics from Valorant and kind of Bungie style games. It's a game that we've designed to be easy to play, but difficult to master. There are many different abilities and play mechanics that differentiate us between what you typically find in a browser game. And so a lot of it kind of is inspired from that Halo type era where, you know, I think a lot of a lot of our gamers really uh, just kind of enjoyed and, and the, the, the right level of complexity and simplicity where it's fun, but not overwhelming. You get in there quickly get some really good memorable shots and then you're on your day. And so I think that's, that's kind of what EV, that's the role that EV wants to fill in people's days. Now, like one thing that I, I want to point out to the audience is that we've not mentioned, you know, the phrase non-fungible tokens yet. And so uh, one of the things that came through in our pre-call was that, you know, it was not like you were, I want to create, you know, a blockchain based game, you know, for the, for the masses. So can you just explain a, what the purpose of the NFTs are within the EV ecosystem as of today, and and B, sort of, um, you know, how you view blockchain gaming in general. Absolutely. So we minted May 11th. Uh, our NFTs are live. And essentially, when you get an NFT, it enables a few things. You have this unique player skin that you can equip and use in games. So your NFT looks like what you look like in game, which I think is very good. It enables you to earn from our play to earn pool that we have in game. So when you're playing different actions will result in different things. Uh, we recently had a day that we turned that meter way up. And so people were actually earning um, 10 times the amount when they play the, the NFT that you have will improve your kind of play ratio earnout as well. But when it comes to the NFT, everyone's on a level of playing field. They don't actually give you any special abilities in game, but they do enable you to earn more quicker. And they obviously are unique cosmetics that let your character stand out. And that's what we have today from the NFT portion. But um, to your other question, really the NFT part of it, uh, it, it's not meant, you know, I think when people say blockchain games or NFT games, To me, I kind of cringe because it's like saying, I'm making a virtual good game. Imagine if someone said that. No one would. But that's what we're doing when people say that stuff. So the game, it's a game and it has NFTs. It is, it is you know, we can tag it as a blockchain game, but it's it should not be the first thing that you experience when you get into the game. The same way a virtual good purchase should not be the first thing when you're in you know a mobile game. And I think that that's something we tried really hard to to set out and make sure that this onboarding experience is really good and plays at the center of EV and and NFTs amplify that experience. And they do that in a really good way, but it has to be in that order. I think though, it's important to mention that the majority of, of NFT games, I'm not trying to make you cringe right now, but the majority of NFT games, you know, it makes sense the way you structured it because at the heart of what you were creating and what you are creating, it's about accessibility to all. And the, the on-chain gaming space has been very inaccessible due to the high barrier to entry for most NFT gaming projects. So, um, you know, Nifty League now has rentals, so that price has come down, but that's a good example of really fun game 
really amazing uh, community, but the cost to play, uh, you know, was half an ETH, uh, which most, you know, people that are hardcore gamers that, you know, they're not, you know, necessarily having that laying around between the, the cushions of their couch, you know, uh, right now a floor skin on Magic Eden or Fractal is is about a little over one soul because uh, it's a Solana based NFT, and so that price point is kind of like the equivalent of buying a game for your your Switch. It, it is a lot more accessible than most of the other. And again, you can still play every aspect of the game without a skin. Um, so, h- how do you? sort of balance the nuance between the you know the earning potential of what the nfts can do and maintaining that level of accessibility for people who don't have nfts how how do you balance that from a game architecture standpoint so i think when it comes to you know when you make an nft you do have a duty as a developer to to do things that will increase that over time i think the best way to increase the value of an ev nft is by expanding our player base. The more players we have in game, the more memorable moments we create, the higher the, 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 the desire, the, the demand for those NFTs will be. We do that by expanding our player base. And so that's a primary thing that we need to do, cast this wide net of people, they play the game, they get familiar with the game. In turn, they're getting familiar with NFTs. When they see this great skin going by, they'll jump into Discord and say, how do I get one? And then the NFT and the crypto conversations start. And that's a really good onboarding experience. I think that's going to be the biggest unlock to Web3 and crypto and and just onboarding the next 10, 20, 100 million people. It's going to come from gaming experiences like this. And so that's the best way we can support our NFT, getting a large player base in. And, uh, and that's how we go about it. Yeah. And, and I, I think because the game is so fun, you know, there is not what I see in a lot of NFT gaming projects or NFT projects in general. It's not a bunch of token talk all the time. People are generally having a good time. I mean, um, we we have uh, on Fridays for Aspen, my company, we have a, a product update. We typically talk about what we've added to the product that week. We engage with the community. We bring up another project to talk about what they're building. Um, it's just a nice way to end the week. Our community gets to come out and hang out and have vibes together. But as soon as it gets done, we jump on and play EV now. This is the new tradition of post-Friday community. Like, we do it. And in fact, next Friday, I'm waking up early to play with our African, East Asian, and Eastern European contingency really early in the morning before you know the U.S. workday starts. So it's become like this sense of just hanging out with each other and playing a fun game you don't really think about the NFT end of it. And that really aligns to what Darren Glover from, from Vayner Gaming was talking about, about how this is going to become, you know, a, a, a you know, a hundred million wallets at some point. It's like, it's like taking the medicine in your ice cream, you know, it, the NFT stuff is happening and it's there, but it's not beating you over the head all the time. Exactly. And people talk about metaverse and all these different buzzwords. Well, you're hanging out in the, in the digital world. That is kind of like the metaverse. It's a blend of digital and, and and physical, and it's happening organically. That's that's the kind of transition that we want. We want it to feel natural, organic, and it, it does actually lead to a lot of people being more interested in the NFTs because they're not they're not intimidated by it. 
And, and one thing I think people will relate to is when someone gets into anything, they, they become, you know, an expert and they overwhelm everyone around them with all the information because they're excited about it. And, and that can be daunting. And that's not always a, an enjoyable experience. So gaming balances that out. And that's what we attempt to do with EV. And obviously we do not have the perfect flow and we're going to keep experimenting. Other games are going to do really creative and innovative things as well. But somewhere in that process, we're going to connect the next hundred million wallets. And it's going to be because the experience is, is improved. Um, we're in the early stages of, of NFTs and crypto. And I think we're still figuring it out. And this is just kind of a new door that's unlocked that everyone's excited about. Can you talk about clans, the clan structure, what those are meant to be, how they work, and just give us a little bit of information there? So, I mean, that's a feature that we're, I mean, that's one of the most, obviously, uh, requested features. People want to play together. It enables us to get people to play together. It enables us to have tournaments. Now, with our prize pool, we can actually add rewards to it. It's, it's really just a community building tool uh, to enable more enhanced gameplay. And so... Like I said, you, you need to get in at a certain level where you just hit the play button. But then once you start inviting friends, you can get a little deeper. Once you start really getting organized, you can go into a, a tournament uh, type mode or, or contest type mode. And so it's one of those things that we want to create deeper experiences in EV. And we're going to keep layering it on. And clans and guild support, discord support is going to be a, a big thing. It's one of the biggest things on our roadmap are how to enable EV to be an extension of guilds, of Discord. So each Discord could have its own EV world where the, the variables are customized. So you can change the, the hit rates, the, the spawn rates. You can really customize your own EV environment to your guild or your clan or your Discord. And so there's there's so much really, really cool stuff in our pipeline. And we're going to be releasing a more detailed version uh, within the next week or two. But we're, we've already started development. We're actually well underway but I think that's kind of the next big leap that EV has. So the EV that we're talking about today in six months is going to be uh, quite a bit expanded. Yeah, uh, Aspen has its own clan. Um, we actually, this we've taken an approach with our giveaway structure to make it far less predictable. Uh, we don't announce what we're giving away or how much we're giving away or anything. And so like we've just had so much fun with the game that we bought 10 um ev skins and gave them out to different members of our community this week for being at events or, or whatever um but i just think like, like it's just a fun way to hang out and it it's got it is to me the best i've seen in terms of of arc being at the architecture of a model for a game that has nfts involved in any capacity where again, it's that it's that medicine in the ice cream scenario where it's not clunky. You literally just have to click your trackpad one time to start playing. I mean, that is how low the barrier to entry is to get started, getting started and playing. And it is not an easy game. Um, you know, Bill, you said that it, it's like it walks the line between being really fun and easy to play and really hard. I don't know, man. Some of these people that I've ended up with uh, from a clan against in, in a clan perspective like they're they're literally I don't think they touch the ground. They just like jump and then all of a sudden I'm getting uh, exploded in some capacity. So, um, there, you know, there's a huge variation of gameplay, which is great, but it's the best I've seen. I'm going to be honest, total total in terms of fun factor, accessibility, um, use of the NFTs, 
not being being free to play, but giving you the ability to buy in, but not in a way where it costs so much money where, you know, you're overextended. Um, I'm just a huge fan of what you guys are building and really grateful that you were willing to spend some time with me today. Uh, thank you. And, and Chris Scott does such a good job tweaking and listening to the community, making all these changes to make the gameplay front and center. But one of the coolest things was we had we had a tournament that we ran and we had Luminosity. So professional esports team players show up and our community clans, it, 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 it was so intense. The people from Luminosity actually got booted out early. They couldn't believe it because they were just expecting, you know, they just thought they'd come in and mop up. And then afterwards, they're saying, we got to have a round two. We want to have a round two with the community. <laughs> rematch, <Don't> rematch. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, and from our perspective, we're thinking, how fun would that be where we can bridge the gap? We're trying to bridge the gap between uh, games and NFTs. Now let's try to bridge the gap between our players and professional esports players. Let's get you guys in the same tournament and see what happens. Now, to me, as a player, as a fan, that would be very fun. And so... That's what you're going to see a lot more of. We did two tournaments, and I think if you look on Twitter, the feedback was amazing. The shots were amazing. And these streamers, they, they ran their own tournament, and they want to come back, and they want to do more stuff with our community. And, I mean, that just makes for fun, memorable moments, and that's what that's what we want to support. So very cool stuff coming up. And, yeah, the, the, the intensity of EV can be very high. That's why we have lots of different modes. We have modes where you can just play against bots, and kind of practice and then we have modes where you can you'll end up with literally some of the biggest streamers in the world are playing it right now and uh i think clans are going to be a fun way where we can get clans and guilds for some of these biggest uh esports orgs in the world that is going to be a fun a fun thing for everyone 100 percent. and you know to put back the educator hat on for a second because that's what i did for you know basically the past 20 years before before joining aspen you know Esports was something that as a really progressive school leader, I wanted to bring into my school because it teaches so many valuable skills, whether it's like on the playing side with all of the soft skills in terms of collaboration, whether it's on the entrepreneurial side and like a really compelling way to teach business studies to kids, whether it's on the content creation side, like with the uh, technology standards that could be integrated, like, but the barrier was always the technology, the game, like we couldn't get gaming PCs. No school I was in could afford that. Um, so a, a, a proper setup to really get e- quote unquote, get esports going was outside the realm of possibility for, for my school and in turn for my kids. And I couldn't help but think about the kids that would have benefited from, from that as a program. Like, are, are you going to be having any involvement in terms of like, um, interscholastic esports with EV and, and getting that going because there's a lot of communities that probably would love to get involved, but they've not had a game like this that allows them to really participate. It's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting uh, approach. I don't know how much we can do proactively, but I do hope by getting these tournaments set up where a lot of this can be done by anyone, you know, a group of three friends can get in uh, and then join a tournament and participate on, on the upside of the tournament it's going to just open it up. I think we need to make the barrier of entry so low that anyone can do it. A group of friends can just jump in without support from anyone. But then if, if schools do show an interest, of course, we'd love to support that because, I mean, who wouldn't want to get more people into this type of environment where it's fun? We could do prizes that actually go out to the schools. There, there are so many things we can do. From our perspective, we have to program in a lot of things so we can do it at scale. 
And so when we want to have a next big tournament, we want to have thousands of teams come in. And to do that, a lot of that has to be done on the programmatic side. And so that's a lot of the stuff that we're working in now so we can do it at scale. But uh, I really think and we have no idea how big this can be, but there is a far larger pool of people, to your point, that want to be in tournaments that don't have the opportunity because the games don't exist and the technology doesn't exist or it's too expensive. So those are barriers that whoever is going to break down those barriers is going to have a massive, massive unlock of players. Well, and, and, and build, stay there for a second. Like all this buzzword hashtag metaverse talk, the barrier of accessibility for that technology, the immersive VR yeah, I mean, Oculus has come down and now Meta has their own headset as well. But, you know, to, to get that really, really immersive VR experience, th- this stuff is is pretty far <laughs> away and it's not going to be from a cost point, you know, something that people can participate in, in in a sort of accessible and equitable way for a really long time. So I think like EV is like the very best of what games to me, like in general, should be focused on highly playable, really accessible, a lot of fun, allows for people to hang out and have a good time. Um, we are going to be having our company is going to have like a big EV uh, hangout in person when we're at NFT NYC and we're going to get to, you know, enjoy playing uh, in person together. But I uh, just want to man, thank you for the time and thank you for in uh, your team, Chris, uh, especially for creating such a badass uh, game I, we all love it and everyone who plays it like my friend uh desert mentor steve bambury who's like uh he is not quick to praise like i've been telling him like dude try this game try this game he tried it and he just sent me a tweet i think he tagged evio and it also saying like holy shit this is a lot of fun so kudos to you guys and i think like the bigger picture of doing it to create accessibility in the gaming space is really honorable and really beautiful. So um, just very appreciative for you and your team's work. Thank you. The kind words and the support and love to chat again and maybe have some of the other developers and teammates on the call too. And we can even, you know, go through some of the guts if you're, if your uh, community wants to hear more, you know, happy to explain our thought process behind some of the decisions we make uh, really just be transparent and, and, and enjoy this process because we're, we're pretty fortunate to be building something that, people love and people use and uh, we don't take that for granted 100 percent. and uh the aspen clan is up i think to 47th in the clan rankings this week so um you will be we will be a force to be reckoned with i'm sure as we develop our skills and get better now especially now that i've got the sticky grenade down i feel like my <laughs> game is uh, i'm getting a lot of kills from the grave uh and i'm getting better my my kill to death ratio is is getting over one, which is it was not for uh, quite some time. Well, but no, Bill, um, it's so satisfying to see when those, those messages come up. I'm just, <laughs> I uh, yeah, that, those are those are pretty satisfying. I was really bad at this. Now I am less bad at this. That is probably the the majority of the message. But really great stuff. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Bill. Bill Carr, everybody, thank you for joining NFT today. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>